Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by Johnny, and he's going to share some of his experiences being part of the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, I guess give us a rundown of how old you are, what you've been diagnosed with, and a brief description of each one, depending on how many there are. Okay. So uh, my name is Johnny Favor. I'm 27 years old. I've been diagnosed with limb girdle muscular dystrophy, uh, subtype 2J, uh, also known as R10. Um, I've had it my entire life. Uh, and really been experiencing the symptoms for probably the last 15 to 20 years of my life. Um, What was the last thing I was supposed to say? What exactly is it? Oh, yeah. It's a a, um, genetically uh, inherited uh, muscle disease that is progressive in nature um, that basically makes your skeletal muscles weaker with time and with uh, prolonged use okay all right and do they have like a life expectancy with that i know like certain diseases you know or conditions they um 30 40 50 not really uh i have a really rare subtype and even at that uh the the range of severity in symptoms across muscular dystrophies and even within the same category can vary a lot um so you know some people don't make it till they're to their 20s uh some people live full into their 60s and 70s okay okay and what kind of like symptoms go along with it because i personally never heard of it so i'm curious oh um a lot of muscle pain okay uh growing up i especially when i was uh, able to run and, and do a lot more active things it was a lot more noticeable um that you know once you sort of start to fatigue your muscles, you uh, way overdo it before you can really realize it. Um, and that is associated with a lot of really uh, intense muscle cramping. Um, and it can actually be really dangerous to your health uh, in the immediate uh, time frame as well. Uh, because with my disease, if I overdo it, um, I risk kidney failure. Uh, and because basically my muscles are breaking up and going into my system and then if, I, if all that happens way too quickly, um, I can really do some damage there. So, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Um, yeah. So a lot of like neuropathy kind of pain, um, loss of circulation a little bit, um, chronic muscle pain for sure. And just being weak and everything just gets harder and harder to do, or you just can't do some things sometimes. Okay. Okay. And is there like a treatment for it or do you go to physical therapy or anything that kind of helps with it? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of different supplements uh, and some pain medication can hurt um, uh, or can hurt, can help. Um, (laughs) uh, Massage, um, physical therapy, water therapy, that kind of thing uh, can be helpful. They're uh, researching gene therapy uh, as a clinical treatment for uh, limb girdle muscular dystrophies right now. Uh, some of them are in clinical phase and some have yet to be uh, fully fleshed out even. 
Um, but those are a really hopeful future for a lot of people with muscular dystrophy. There is a lot of uh, gene therapy research going on that can really slow the progression of the disease and stabilize everything a lot. And does that come with like other diseases or illnesses that kind of attach to it? Because I know sometimes certain um, diseases like colitis, if you're in a flare-up, can cause like temporary arthritis and kind of joint pain. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are, uh, but I'm not a, a really aware of them. Okay, uh, so I'd have to be more, more involved in one of them probably to know, and I'm sure it differs <laughs> greatly too. Well, I mean, look, if you don't know, that's a good thing because apparently, you know, if there is, you're not dealing with it. So that's always good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I ask because some of the people that I have on, they'll have like a main diagnosis and then they'll have mm -hmm. other diagnoses that are attached because of it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I had, I mean, I had one girl that I interviewed like a week ago. She had 17 mm -hmm. separate diagnoses. And, oh, wow. Yeah, because they were all attached to each other and all physical too. Um, no, it was, it was split between physical and, and mental. Um, wow, that's still when, a lot. When, yeah, when you're dealing with, I mean, when you're dealing with that much, other things attach themselves. And I mean, you know, mental health starts to come into play when you are dealing with a lot. And, and yeah, that's absolutely like I was saying, we talk about it on, on every episode pretty much. Mental health always comes into play when you have any sort of chronic illness or disability. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, starting to try to talk to people with terminal illnesses as well. Those are, those are, nasty i mean the the, the category is because te technically isn't a progressive illness kind of towards terminal because no, um still i mean i guess in a way uh in a way i guess so um yeah, i'm gonna seriously classify it i don't know what the, the criteria would be there Yeah, I mean, just terminal illness means the illness results in death because of the illness. So, yeah, I guess if a progressive well, probably, disease gets bad it, enough, it would probably be more like complications associated with it, um, like muscle, okay. some sort of muscle weakness causing a failure of some type uh, of like, other issue in my body, something like that, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to trying to include. I'm trying to glue anybody that's that's broken to some degree. Yeah. You know, I I say it a lot. We all deal with, I would say probably seventy to eighty percent of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, physical, I mean, essentially physical limitations of of your you know disease or diagnosis or disability. Um, how it interacts with your life, your work life, your social life, the financial side of it, the medical side of it. Like we all deal with a lot of the same stuff. And then that yeah. 20 to 30% is whatever our diagnosis is and the specifics of it. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of, kind of important to share all that because a lot of people can benefit from a lot of information that can be like cross community. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people want to focus on, on how uh, they are different from the other disabled people, but if we can focus on how similar we are, a lot of people can put that aside and get some actual, you know, advice and help from others. I talk you know? about that. I rant. Well, I rant about that. I don't talk about. I rant about that all the time because, yeah. you know, I, th I think there's a purpose for all the individual groups. Um, and when you have specific diseases or disabilities, there's you can get a lot of good information from your community. Um, I mean, like Crohn's and colitis, I'm in a lot of the different Crohn's and colitis pages on Facebook. And 
I help, I, you know, I try to help people that ask a lot of questions that are new to the diseases and I try to give some information to them. And that's really important yeah. when you're talking like specific medications or how it reacts to things. And that's, that's that 20 to 30%. But when you're, you know, when you're talking about how you deal with doctors, how you deal with your mental health, you know, taking time and setting time aside for yourself to relax and kind of get away yeah. from the stress of everything, that applies to everybody across the yeah. board. Um, yeah. Even people that like family members of people that are diagnosed with certain things, like there's a massive community and all the little groups split that community up. Yeah. And it's like we lump that big community together and it's a massive amount of people that can do <laughs> yeah a ton yeah, i mean for I for example the cancer association is probably the best example of it they brought everybody together that's affected by cancer and they they do yeah. monumental things with it because of how big that community is um yeah. and we have a bigger community that's just cancer we have a bigger community than that we just got to pull everybody back together which is yeah. part of the goal of the podcast yeah so but yeah so I guess how how else does that affect your life? I'm curious now. Um, it's been affecting my life for quite a while. I'd say. <laughs> um, ever since I was, uh, I think around like five years old, my parents noticed um, that I was walking kind of strange, uh, and I was taken to Shriners Hospital um, in St. Louis, and uh, they couldn't really figure out what was going on. They thought it was maybe a physical like tendon issue or something, and I was given a lot of different exercises to try and, you know, help remedy everything. Um, but for the most part, I felt like a fairly strong, normal kid um, mm. all the way up until somewhere in high school um, when I really started uh, losing the ability to, you know, maybe run for uh, an extended period of time or um, just was getting really bad muscle cramps from walking what seemed like a normal distance for someone um, just walking like around walking around school for the day or something yeah yeah and, and even earlier than that uh, like in uh, sixth grade uh, i got pulled off of the wrestling team because i really couldn't keep up with um the other kids and that's what really sparked this new like uh stage of my life i call the doctor stage where uh just go to doctors constantly to try and figure out what's going on um and uh that year uh sixth grade of my life i got um my first diagnosis with muscular dystrophy and that's for becker's muscular dystrophy which is not the kind i have um and it, my parents didn't take it that well it was definitely a, a huge uh bummer and i didn't really know the full gravity of it um didn't didn't quite connect yeah um, it just seemed like an, another name for something you know um, but it wasn't really bothering me all that much um but shortly after uh seen by more geneticists and that kind of thing and uh i was prescribed in seventh grade a mobility device uh, because i was having trouble getting around my middle school uh so i got prescribed a segway like a full-size like segway that you would see people um oh. taking fingers on and that kind of thing um, I've been using a Segways for like 16 years of my life now uh, to help me help me get around different places. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of cool, just not the reason why you have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome to help me get around. Um, I wish I didn't have to have it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and it's caused a lot of issues uh, because you know people just don't understand. 
um, you know, why somebody would have that, especially a young kid. Um, but yeah, it's been a great tool uh, and it's helped me stay more mobile uh, because I'm not sitting down in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to use my body as much as I can while I can just to kind of keep everything from progressing. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, that's, it's kind of uh, followed me. It started kind of in middle school and then all through high school, it really got slower and slower, weaker and weaker. And it, I think then it really started to affect my mental health. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really depressed. Um, uh, diagnosed with depression uh, a few years later, uh, anxiety and depression and, and ADD and ADHD. Um, and it really just kind of affected me uh, mentally more than physically, it felt like then. Um, just kind of put me in a different mindset. And at that age, it, you're at a point where you're trying to like look down the road at your life, you know, figure out what well, I'm yeah. going to do. And I was like, like oh, yeah, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? What kind of career do you want to take? And it's just like, well, uh, yeah, about that. Stressful and it's a difficult decision to try and even navigate because you don't know what to expect. And at that point, I didn't even know uh, if I would end up in a wheelchair or like what was going to happen with my disease. It wasn't even really well known what I had. Um, at this point, I was uh, misdiagnosed again with uh, mitochondrial myopathy. Uh, I've had multiple muscle biopsies, been to Texas, Columbus, Ohio, New York, um, for all these different tests, trying to figure out what is it, you know, and um, so I finally uh, graduated high school, went to college to be a chemist, uh, because I felt like that's what I wanted to do, Uh, used my segue a lot at uh, that campus to get around, it was absolutely essential, I, I became known as the segue guy there. Um, what people, was that? People, people give you any crap for it or they're just like hey it's a segue guy you know yeah I, I, um, unfortunately oh. I, it's been a really common occurrence kind of throughout my life ever since I've had a segue um, to be uh, bombarded with questions when I'm in public and refused access to places because um, unfortunately it's seen as like a rougher maybe outdoor type of device or just unstable or unsafe which it is none of any of those things um, is it is it like a full-size one or is it like the yeah. ones okay because i know they yeah, have the ones with like the short bar that puts you know goes between your leg and yeah. my younger brother uh, has the same thing and he has a smaller segue like that um and okay. it, it's for him right now because it's um the correct you know, stability and ability level for him but for me those are so small and unstable that the larger ones are much okay. more can can you also um, can you check your mic too? I can still uh, hear you. It's a little. And sure, it's, I'm just on my smartphone. Um, How's that? Is that that's better? Yeah, that's a little better. I can still okay. hear you. It's just a little, it's oh, yeah. a little far away. Yeah, sure. Um, where was I? So, yeah, so, uh, I've had trouble, you know, the whole time, basically, with people, uh, kicking me out or not understanding, even when I've told them, you know, why I have it, uh, and I started at a really young age, carrying around a doctor's note, explaining why I have a segue to 
show to security people. Um, but I would continually get kicked out uh, of the mall. I never could go in the mall after the first time I tried that, even after explaining it with family there and everything. Um, but hmm. I've used it through school and everything. And after, you know, the explained need, most places have let me in. Yeah. Um, because they should. It's a medically necessary mobility. I mean, that's refusing entry to a, you know something that's technically a mobility aid that's a form of discrimination against disability yeah, yeah, so, yeah. which is it's against the law yeah it's against the law and that's protected under the ada yeah i know so yeah that's um but i yeah, mean so, unfortunately there's a lot of that yeah yeah i know it's rampant um i have a whole uh i have a whole ordeal regarding all that <laughs> i'll explain here in a little bit um yeah, so uh, at that point, let's see, in college, getting weaker, doing chemistry. <laughs> uh, I graduated, uh, brought my segue to the graduation ceremony, even knew it there. Um, That's you know, every, every day, basically riding it. Um, so I've done thousands of miles. It's been really helpful, though. It's helped me like, go see things and live a life I wouldn't have been able to uh, without it, really. And out of curiosity, how long does like a Segway last you? A couple of years? Um, I've I still have the original one actually. Oh, um, you said you've been using it for fifteen years. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean I've had to replace some uh, the batteries a couple times now um, and some other random parts and stuff, but yeah, it's a super reliable machine. That's not bad. Oh, yeah. I was expecting like four or five in in that time no. frame. <laughs> No. Um, yeah, they're really good. They take you quite a ways too, uh, about 26 miles on a charge. So it's really helpful and helps that's, you go a lot of places. That's, that's better than some electric bikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, after I graduated uh, college with my chemistry degree, I decided to move to Ohio, became a chemist. Uh, and then my wife and I decided uh, to move to Washington State. Uh, for the last three years about, um, just on a whim. Uh, got tired of the Midwest, wanted to go try and live life while, uh, while I can. Um, probably a good mental uh, health decision uh, to, you know, try and do all those things while I can. Yeah, um, yeah, that's always, a, that's always a struggle when you have all these limitations slapped on you that you don't really have a choice around. Yeah, it, it really changes how you... Uh, go through life and what you value for sure um so basically uh in the last year my uh disability has become like way more impactful in my life mm -hmm. um i got it just seemed like it started to progress a lot more in the last uh year and a half to two years and started really um, affecting my arms and shoulders a lot more and so that um, really started to affect my work. And uh, I struggled a lot at work uh, when I was in Washington as a chemist. And uh, some of it just became a little bit too hard. So I took medical leave. Um, and I ended up uh, quitting this at the beginning of this year because I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. And that really prompted the decision for my wife and I to move back to Ohio. Okay. Um, and back, was, back around like family and stuff yeah exactly um and that was a really hard 
uh, decision to and realization to come to, and it took a lot of time uh, and uh, therapy and medication and yep. a ton of doctor's visits um, in the last year to try and keep up with all of it. Um, it's 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 not fun. It's it's not fun, especially when you work. I mean, you're given limitations and you work so hard for something, and then you get there and it's like, nope, can't do that anymore. Like, I. I understand that a lot with career. Like I'm, I went to school to be a mechanic. Like I, I'm super hands-on, super about fixing stuff. Like I would love to be a diesel technician mm-hmm. um, because of how much prednisone I was on in the past. My bones are garbage. Yeah. My bones are all jacked up. <clears throat> and if you're turning wrench for 20, 25 years with a good body, that's a that's a that's a hard trade and that that wears away on your body let alone if you're already broken when you start it's just not not a good combo so i actually had an offer to do a apprenticeship a diesel apprenticeship and i had to recently turn it down and it was it was hard like i wanted to i wanted to and then i was like you know what i'm doing good right now i got energy well not not a ton recently but in general you know I'm, I'm not in a flare-up i'm not doing bad i'm in remission mm-hmm. i was like but if i get to a point where i start flaring up for a year well that goes right out the window real quick so yeah. but it's one of those things it's like you know you you love to want to do something but the limitations you got to be realistic and be like okay well if i push myself to do it where's that gonna end me up right it's it's, it's challenging it's i mean i have time when yep. I was more able and I think I did a lot of damage that way mm-hmm. um, just pushing more for what I want rather than what was good for my body yeah and and I've made a couple of decisions because two years ago I decided to quit my second job because for four years ago I got a second job and I was working 60 to 80 hours a week really? I did that for two years straight with colitis and I squeaked on by. I didn't have a ton of problems. Didn't flare up at all. My medication was keeping in line. But I got to a point, I was like, you know what? I can't keep playing this game because the colitis is going to poke back soon. It's a lot of work. It was stressful. It was not, I don't suggest it to anybody that has a stress-based disease or, yeah, you know, a, a, an illness that reacts to a ton of, ton of work and a ton of workload and stress. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard because society tells you hey you got to have all these goals you know have the house the kids the cars all this stuff and it's like well we got a ton of other priorities because of everything we deal with on a regular basis yeah so we got to remember to tell ourselves i definitely would have wanted that probably yeah Um, a lot of people do yeah just coming to i guess the realization uh slowly over time of how each part of your life is not going to be yeah um, yeah because of this reason that has now come up yeah yeah Tough. i mean i i know i know personally like medical bills have pushed back a lot of goals and, and things that i want being a, being a being a car guy like i have some mm-hmm. project cars i want to do i've spent probably between 40 and 60 grand in the past eight years on colitis it's like out of pocket after insurance paid for everything i'm like it's like wow. two project cars. It's like a third of a house where I live, like a small yeah. house, you know, single family. 
So it's, <clears throat> yeah, you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, all the kids I went to school with, like they're, they're in, ha- you know, they just bought their house. They're having their second or third kid. And you're just like, yeah, I want to, yeah. I want to like have a place that I live by myself without a roommate um, yeah. and maybe a dog. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but I think, I mean, I do, it's my personal opinion. I, I am grateful to a degree for my colitis, if that makes sense. It hasn't been fun. You know, a good chunk of it hasn't been fun. And the first three years were absolute hell, Um, especially with depression and mental health. That was probably the worst because all those limitations were coming into play that never were there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the physical pain that was associated with with colitis when it was so flared up. But... I think I've grown a lot from it and and I refer to it a lot as my swift kick of maturity at 17. Yeah. Because you know when when you start to have all these medical issues whatever you're dealing with stops and you have to deal with it. Yeah. And if you don't deal with it like I did, I ignored a lot of it and I ended up in the hospital because my colitis got too bad. So it was my swift kick of maturity. It was like nope, you need to grow up. Too bad if you don't want to. Yeah. Um stop being a teenager. So and you know, I look at it now doing the podcast and, and trying to help the community. That would never be a thing if I didn't have colitis. So there is, there is some good that came out of it. Um, yeah. And that's absolutely. And, and, and I look at it like, you know, what, what I personally say all the time is, you know, pain can put things into perspective and that perspective has given me a purpose, mm-hmm. which I think is important. Um, and I think hopefully, hopefully we can help change the, uh, the community as a whole, but yeah, you know, it's all, it's all about, I guess, getting people to suffer less. You can't fix yeah. things, but if you can smooth it out along the way. Yeah. And we all suffer less, even just through companionship, even if we don't actually help one another, just being there. That's, um, I mean, that's a huge thing. That's massive. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, one of my friends that I game with, he's, he's a retired veteran. He was on a while ago but he got medically discharged with ptsd and he's like you know it helps to just talk to people especially yeah. when you're dealing with the mental health it's 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 nice to know that you don't feel alone yeah um and that was part of it like this for me is the resource that i would have loved to have that first couple of years yeah i wish i would have had all the things that i found in like the last six months yep. i wish i would have <laughs> had that for like the last six years it would have been way more helpful yep yeah um, so, there's, yeah. there's an amazing community out there and it's and it's sad that a ton of people don't realize that it's there um and that's that's part of why i think you know everybody needs to get pulled together i think everybody that's anybody that's in the united states knows what the cancer society is because like every yeah. other month is cancer month for something and they have all these you know races and fundraisers and all that stuff yeah and that's that's great it helps a lot of people it's just we need that for the chronic community as a whole yeah be like hey guys look there's an amazing you know brand or organization that you guys can talk to there's a ton of people that do you know talk about their experiences and you can listen to it everything like that's what that's what everybody needs yeah any place they can go because unfortunately for some people and and i've talked to some people that have some of the rare conditions um there aren't massive communities for it no there's really not for the just for the group that I'm in on Facebook for the 2J subtype of my disease, there's maybe, I think there's like 180 people or so in there. 
uh, and definitely not all of them have the disease. They're just um, they might have a family member, or something, yeah. But but I mean, on the grand scale of things, that's very small, um, and it's a very rare. I'm surprised there's even that many people in it, honestly, um, because I thought that there were even fewer. Um, but it's been amazing to talk to anyone. That, that exists in this, in this world that has the same thing other yeah. than my younger brother who's awesome i love talking to him about it but yeah i mean it's just been so isolating until this year to say i have maybe some type of muscular dystrophy don't know exactly what type to i know exactly what type and subtype and this is you know the group that i'm a part of now yeah um it's i don't know it's just kind of uh like validating after that going that long and people asking hey why are you on a segue and you say i have a muscle disease and you can't tell them what you have yeah um, well yeah right. like boom 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 this is exactly what i have yeah google it <laughs> like you don't believe me google it yeah <laughs> um, yeah but no and it's it's definitely a hard thing and and, and i mean i i i interviewed a guy that had i think it was Marquio disease or syndrome and he's like that that's a super rare one so there's no groups for him he's just like one of the few people in the u.s yeah. that has it at all yeah um but you know you fall under all these other groups for a lot of things especially the mental health there's a ton of mental yeah. health groups um and i think well, it's part of what i'm trying to do with the podcast is definitely talk about it more i know yeah. at my lowest point i was definitely suicidal on a nightly basis because it's usually when the colitis was the worst because mm, you yeah. could get away in the morning not eating through work but towards the end of the work you kind of had to eat because there's just nothing in your body and yeah. as the food went through your body at night it's very painful yeah um but yeah it's unfortunately you know mental health is not prioritized in the u.s and and surprisingly out of everybody they've talked to in other countries we are one of the very few countries that actually has a suicide hotline most countries don't even have that which i was surprised mm -hmm. about because i thought we would be behind a lot of other countries when it comes to mental health but yeah we got it you know that extreme when you get to that point of suicide we got you yeah but, yeah once you're once you're at that point but no but support keeping you from getting there everything along the way you're on your own like we yeah. got you if you get there There's well a phone it's important to know call. that that's not true though there is so there's, much help you just have to reach out for it there's some um, there's some um unfortunately so so when i when i say that you know that we we don't have a system set up for it we don't because there is that stigma around it there's that social stigma around it where a lot of people do not seek help because yeah. of how society looks at it both with their career because if they say they're suicidal or they say they're depressed and they need help they could lose their job for it or because of how society either the people that you know are in their social circle or work circle would treat them because of it yeah. um and it's you know i think it shouldn't be this negative thing that you're kind of looked down on for having because you know there's there's a lot of logical reasons that you can be depressed yeah you got absolutely. all these limitations you, you had all these goals that you can't yeah. reach anymore because of a diagnosis and that it's, it's a legitimate reason you have a bunch yeah. of medical debt that is now changing how you have to live your life and things that you were planning on doing that's a legitimate reason yeah 
being treated differently, being excluded from your, you know, social gatherings or work gatherings because of what you're dealing with, that is a legitimate reason. Like, there's a ton of reasons why you can be, you know, depressed and none of them, like, it's not an incorrect response for it. Yeah, yeah, they all make sense. Like, they they all make sense. Like, I would be depressed too. Yeah, of course. Oh, that sounds like it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why are we giving people (laughs) crap? Like, oh wow, that sounds horrible. You shouldn't feel bad about it though. You're fine. Like walking up, like what? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Like people are dealing with these things and everybody processes things differently as well. So it's like to say that you're weaker or, you know, you're lesser of a person because you're dealing with something like that's so wrong in so many ways, especially when it comes to the chronic illness and the disabled, you know, community. Especially mm-hmm. the terminally ill community, I look at everybody. You know, we're dealing with so much more, and I think we're stronger because of it. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of you know the the normal society, I guess, ignorant people will we'll call it because they're not they're not informed enough and they don't understand enough to get what we're dealing with. But they look at everyone as weaker or lesser than because we're disabled, because we have a chronic illness, because you know. Yeah maybe we can't work as much maybe we don't have the energy to do things maybe like yourself you can't walk without some sort of you know device that's assisting you thankfully it's not a wheelchair um but they look at us less than because of that which is unfortunate because we overcome and we deal with so much more on a regular basis like our regular would destroy the normal person yeah. If you were to jump into what we deal with on a regular basis, most people would just fall apart. Yeah. Because it's just so much. And we've gotten used to it. We create systems that work for us. We kind of find ways to get around it. And I think that everyone in the community is stronger because of that. Mm-hmm. You're able to handle more, you're able to do more. And it's just normal day to day stuff for us. I mean, I used yeah. to work retail in. I would have people that would come in around the holidays and they would just lose their mind <laughs> because yeah. their dishwasher was delayed by a day or two. That was like yeah. the end of the world for them. Yeah. And it's like, must be nice that your life is so perfect that if your dishwasher is <laughs> a day or too late, like that's the most yeah. inconvenient thing in your life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Think about how serious whatever you're complaining about is and how yeah. permanent it is. So it's just like, oh. Yeah, the fact that people look down on a lot of the people in the community and, and kind of treat us differently because of it, it's like, look, we deal with way more stuff than you could ever imagine. And we still get out of bed and we still, you know, we still go to work. We still try to be productive and, and be functional human beings while we have all these barriers that are hitting us in the face. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, it's, it's a lot harder than a lot of people might know. And, and definitely they don't see well, yeah, and that's, I mean, I would imagine for the most part, yours qualifies as an invisible disability. This is something that's happening internally that you don't, you don't physically yeah. see. Well, the mental stuff is, but I mean, if you see me trying to walk, it's pretty evident I'm disabled. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. That's, well, yeah, but when, I mean, I, I guess when you're cruising around on your, your Segway, it doesn't, you just look like a normal dude. I take it just on a Segway. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's. I guess it's it's partially invisible. When when you have your you know your segue, yeah. you just look like a normal dude cruising around. 
right but there's a purpose for it that's more evident when you you know you're not using it yeah that's a a really big change that i would love to see made uh in the near future would be like way 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 more awareness about the vast array of devices and uh, support that people use for whatever disability they have that they absolutely need and should be able to use no matter what circumstance, unless it's a serious safety risk or something. But yeah. uh, like, it's just crazy. Like everyone just thinks disabled equals a wheelchair or something, um, but it means so much more. and is so much so much more diverse than that i mean there are countless ways that people are being aided that you'll never even know about or see but they're disabled and they're using something well yeah uh, like i mean personally i have i have handicap plates in my car and i have a handicap placard um, yeah same. I, have, I have colitis and if my colitis is acting up you gotta go you gotta go there's no like stopping <laughs> The yeah. normal person gets 10 minute heads up like, hey, you know what? I'm going to need to go to the bathroom. I should probably go to Walmart. Maybe I should drive home. Yeah. Even with colitis, it's like, all right, you got 60 seconds. <laughs> 59, really? 58. And it's just like you're you're sitting at a traffic. You're like, you're like <laughs> what do I do? So it's it's one of those things like if I pull up in, you know, I park in handicap and look at me like I look like a perfectly functional person yeah. and yeah. I am running into that building. Yeah. It doesn't look like I need to be parking here, but no, that that extra like 200 feet parking at the end of the parking lot is making it or not making it to the restroom sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, like my, it's for me, it's an invisible disability. You don't see it. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, even Honestly, when I'm at I, my worst, I wouldn't have thought that either until I knew what you just described. Well, it's it's because um, Crohn's and colitis, they're they're non curable. And, and um, now not everybody with Crohn's or colitis has a handicap placard because it depends on your severity. Um, I myself have, I fall in the severe category. I, I get, I get the, the rare portion. I mean, like the, the severe category, I think makes it like 10%. It's, it's, it's rare. Um, and in the rare category, I'm on the severe side. So in the severe set category, I'm on the, the worst side because my large intestine and colon, when I flare up about 90% of it's covered in ulcers, which is really bad it makes your large larger part of your digestive tract just completely useless yeah you don't absorb any nutrients or anything but yeah it's it's a permanent disability and there's there's a lot of permanent disabilities and a growing number of them that are actually invisible like there's a lot of uh, mental health based ones there's yeah. a lot of physical ones that count under the permanent disability definition and looking at the person they look perfectly normal yeah. now if you're around me on a regular basis and I'm really in a flare up for a really long time, you'll start to notice it because I'll lose a lot of weight. I mean, yeah. the first time I had a flare up, I went from like 160 ish to 105 in like three weeks. What? Really? So <clears throat> when your colitis flares up or Crohn's and irritable bowel disease in general, when it flares up, what happens is you slowly start to have more and more ulcers in your digestive tract. Colitis is specifically your large intestine and your colon. And your digestive tract is where your, your nutrients is absorbed. Well, an ulcer is like an open sore. So if you get like, if you get a cut on your hand, like an open wound, essentially. Um, so you're not receiving any of those nutrients. So I have like 90% coverage when my colitis is super bad. 
So 90% of my colon and large intestine are just ulcers. And the problem with that is that's 90% of your digestive tract in large intestine and colon that's not absorbing nutrients. That's not absorbing liquid. That's not absorbing vitamins. That's not absorbing protein. That's not absorbing anything. So the food just kind of goes through you essentially, which also when you think about it in open sore, if you ever poured alcohol in a cut, that's alcohol. Uh your food going through your digestive tract is stomach acid. So it's a little bit stronger than alcohol. So your entire yeah. digestive tract. So it's, it gets bad. Um, so yeah, I mean. Like lit on fire. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, on it's the definitely inside. the worst, worst pain I've ever felt. Um, there's nothing that really fixes it. And usually what happens is if you have colitis and it's flaring up or Crohn's, the fix is you don't eat eat the bare minimum every day just so that your stomach doesn't hurt so you're not like hungry but yeah. the lack of nutrients that's being absorbed by the lack also the lack of food that you're putting into your body yeah it's a bad combo and then the steroids that they put you on like prednisone gives you the munchies so now you're eating more food while you're still flaring up yeah. so it's creating more yeah it's just it's it's a mess yeah it's so. a compounding issue mm-hmm so that's why like you have to be super careful with it and that's that's really the only noticeable thing i mean i still have a picture on facebook from like 10 years ago when i was in the hospital i looked like a skeleton yeah because i was just skin and bones um and when i went to the hospital the first time i had minor organ failure in most of my organs because my body didn't have enough nutrients it ate through all the fat it ate through a good chunk yeah. of the muscle so starting to eat the organs because your body will prioritize and actually take your least important organs if you run out of other things to eat and it'll yeah. start using them for nutrients which is yeah. really bad yeah that's called starvation <laughs> yep yep that's yeah. really bad so <clears throat> but yeah wow. and that's and that's something that you know happens over i mean for me it took about two months, two months. to get really bad um and that's when i went into the hospital mm -hmm. but People will deal with that level of pain, especially Crohn's, because Crohn's is worse. It could be anywhere in your digestive tract, from your mouth all the way down to your large intestine. So that pain can be 10 times worse because people can have ulcers in their stomach that are constantly being annoyed by the stomach acid. You don't have that, that you know, protective lining. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people deal with that's invisible and that people can't even imagine the pain level. And, yeah, I was, I was full flare up 90% of my colon and I was still going to work in eight hour days at Best Buy. Ouch. I was still going to Best Buy. I was still moving TVs around because I worked in the TV department. I was still selling things. I was in the bathroom a lot. I mean, I would work an eight hour shift and I go to the bathroom like 20 times, but yeah. Yeah. And people look at you and you look perfectly fine. So they expect you to act perfectly fine. Yeah. And that's, I like you. You look perfectly fine on your Segway, so they expect you to walk in the building like a normal person. It's like it's not yeah. that simple. Yeah. Like yeah, I wish I it was that simple, but yeah, I know. If, if they would just see me walk at all, or especially see me after I walked like a hundred yards, then they pretty quickly understand. Um, yeah, the serious need. When it's it's one of those things. It's like <clears throat> we should not have to prove that. To someone that's the thing we shouldn't have to prove like our lack of energy our lack of mobility um 
and that's 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 the big problem and that's why there needs to be more awareness and education around it because a lot of people you know when it comes to diagnosis is the dealing with so much but society expects them to look normal and that we do a really good job at it a lot of the time because we want to look normal we want to be as normal as we can because we don't want to be singled out for it so we find ways like you figure out how to make it so that people just accept the fact that you're doing whatever you're doing and make it look as normal as possible because you don't want to get called out on it it's it's uncomfortable it's embarrassing like yeah i've done that a lot especially um, over the years uh, in job interviews i've tried to be like very uh secretive about like and not show my lip and um try and just walk behind the person or like naturally just walk really slow like we're just gonna walk slow today uh, talk or something it really sucks because you just don't want people to see you struggle because yeah. even though it's against the law they'll see it as a weakness and just not hire you or, well, and, or something. one thing too and and you know when i work for retail and when i work for a lot of different companies in my area i'm in virginia so virginia is a right to work state they can fire you for no reason they can just let yeah. you go yeah so <clears throat> If if it's something where you're underperforming because of a disability or an illness, that could be the reason they let you go, but they don't have to say that. Yeah. So they can still technically treat you differently because you have a disability. So it's one of those things going into job interviews. You do not bring that up because it's like, if, if you're good. <clears throat> it really begs the question, though, why is there a question on every freaking job application that asks if you're disabled? How many times I put no, I'm not disabled, so I'll actually be considered for a job. Yep. Yep. I mean, hundreds of times. Literally. And the fun fact: the only place that it's good to hit yes is if you're applying for a government job. Um, yeah. Because they have to have a diverse workforce. So if you have if you have a disability, you actually get extra points on your application. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's it's one of those things you gotta. I've always found I've been careful with it. And I learned that really early on because the, my first time I went to the hospital, when I got back, I was getting written up left and right. They were writing me up for stupid things, stupid yeah. things. Like I, I would be, I would still be like second or third sales in my department. Like I'd still be doing really well. And they'd write me up be like, oh, you didn't offer a Best Buy card. Well, not at the register. We already talked about it in the hour I spent figuring out what speakers fit in his car. Yeah. And he's 17. Like, he's not going to apply for a credit card. <laughs> well, you didn't offer it right. Here's a write-up. Like, they would just write you up for stupid things because I was out for two months. I was yeah. out for two months. <clears throat> I was just taking right. a job yeah. position. And when I came back, they would just nitpick everything because they were trying to come up with a reason to get rid of me because I was, I mean, I'm not, I was unreliable because of my colitis. Yeah. Are they technically supposed to take that into account when they count reliability? No. Um, and the problem is a lot of these big companies, technically, they say, well, if they don't know and it's not on file with HR, you don't have any extra rights or coverage for it, which is a, it's a whole nother argument to be had. But <clears throat> yeah, it's it's really important to definitely know your rights around it for people that don't. Um, and for people that do work, I find, you know, if, if you're in an area where government jobs are available, 
they make the rules, so they get in a lot more trouble if they break them. So they're generally yeah. a lot better at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they definitely have much better systems set up in place for it. So, yeah, yeah it's 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 interesting. It's... Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, so I wanted to bring up um, or highlight an issue that totally uh, exemplifies the issues I'm. I've been describing with my segue that I'm in the middle of right now. So um, earlier this summer, my, my wife and I and some family that were in from out of town and all that decided we would go to the aquarium here. And this is like probably been the 15th zoo slash aquarium I've been to um, while having a segue. Um, so I'm expecting an issue already, kind of. So when we got there, uh, I was immediately turned away before I could even get in the building. I was told I wouldn't be able to come in and use my Segway. And I uh, explained to them, I just said, hey, it's a medical issue. Um, and I use it as a mobility device. So they left me in to speak with the, um, the uh, security manager person there who uh, upheld that I would not be allowed to access their facility and, and gave me an incorrect reason saying that it was because of how tall I was on my Segway. Um, so just, I measured. So <laughs> I'm like six foot four on my Segway max. Um, not an extreme height, right? Um, and also building codes rule that the ceiling has to be eight feet tall and I've never hit the ceiling anywhere. So I was being told the wrong reason. Um, that I wouldn't be allowed in. And then um, I you know, told them, you know, I've been to multiple aquariums and zoos, and usually if this is an issue, you guys would have an electric scooter or something that I'll use. I shouldn't have to because this is my mobility device, but they don't have that either. And I was offered a manual wheelchair. And I said, I can't do that. I don't have the arm or muscle strength to push myself through. Uh, the aquarium, so that's not an appropriate accommodation. It's not powered, and I brought my own powered one. And they continued to say, no, you're not allowed, um, and basically came to a stalemate. Um, and so I asked for some information to get a hold of their director to ask them about it. And so I was, I couldn't go in. The rest of my family went through the aquarium. Uh, my wife and I were forced to leave. Um, and so after getting a hold of that uh, director, he also upheld it, said that I was um, kicked out for the wrong reason and that his security was incorrect to do it for the height reason, but that segways are just too dangerous to the rest of the people in the aquarium and they're uh, not allowed and they never will be allowed in the aquarium. And it's also on their accessibility page under a picture of a wheelchair, it says no segways are allowed. Um, and that is a direct violation of Title III of the ADA because it, without uh, evaluation, immediately bans the use of a potentially medically used device outright um, in their accessibility section, which is just insane. Um, and so I informed uh, the director of all that and he said uh, he disagreed and that he would tell me the ADA codes that he was following that allowed him to kick me out of the aquarium. Well, I never heard back. So I looked into the law and became an ADA Title III mobility device expert and um, figured out exactly how all the law works with all this kind of thing. Um, and they, they absolutely are breaking the law. Um, 
basically anything that isn't like a powered scooter or a, a powered chair is um, considered an other power driven mobility device. So my segue would be considered one of those things. Um, and because of that, it's not protected the same way as other wheelchairs are like how everyone has to let anyone in a wheelchair through because that's the law. Um, instead, segways are allowed to be denied even when used as a mobility device, but it requires extensive uh, demonstration of why the segway is somehow a safety risk in a specific environment. And it requires a, a five point assessment evaluation um, individualized with each person before any of that can be done. So none of that was done and there's no proper accommodation uh, available at that facility either. Um, and so I, I decided um, enough was enough. I got tired of getting kicked out of everywhere. Um, and that was embarrassing enough, especially after showing uh, a doctor's note proving that I needed it um, and going into details about my disability that I shouldn't have to disclose at all. Um, and so I, I've reported it now to multiple agencies and the ADA itself and uh, for the, the federal branch and some uh, human rights branches of that for the uh, Ohio and Kentucky. And uh, it's now, I just found out uh, this past week, it's under investigation. Um, and I've started a, a PR campaign and a petition against the aquarium um, and trying to raise as much awareness as possible because they've been in trouble before for not allowing other people in there who have completely unrelated disabilities, um, but not allowing any accommodations for that kind of thing. Um, well, and so I'm really hoping now that it will come, finally come to some sort of resolution. I'm really excited to share what actually happens once it does, but um, I, I just wanted to say that um, it, the aquarium is called the Newport Aquarium. It's in uh, Newport, Kentucky, in case anyone is local or interested. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, it's a perfect, uh, I guess, example of what I was just saying, I would love to see changed is an incredibly like raised awareness in the general public of disabled people using things that you might not think uh, a disabled person would use or uh, seeing people who you don't think look disabled and then them explaining their disability. And some sort of PR campaign like nationally would be so helpful to really help a lot of, end a lot of this stupid discrimination that is really rampant that I've encountered constantly, you know, since 11 years old. Um, so one of the things to touch on the aquarium, um, yeah. one of the things that you should be aware of when you're going to a lot of aquariums, zoos, museums, a lot of those places are federally funded. Yeah. They receive federal funding and because of that, they have to follow the guidelines. So if you run into those places that are not allowing you the accommodation that you need, 100% report them because they can lose their federal funding for that. They can lose their federal funding for not following the ADA um, and they can get a lot of trouble for that. Because that's one of the things I know here in Virginia and a lot of other states do it too. Like I have a handicap park pass. Uh -huh. Because I'm handicapped, I can get into all of the federal and state parks in the area, and I also get into a lot of museums and stuff that are federally funded and that receive federal assistance for funding for free. Uh -huh. It's just that's awesome. One of the perks of being disabled, because you know when you're disabled, you might as well get the perks. <clears throat> yeah. um, I'm still working and applying for my lifetime fishing and hunting license. 
because in Virginia, <laughs> they do that. If you're permanently disabled, you can spend, I think it's like $40 and you get a lifetime fishing and hunting. Yeah, we have something similar to that. I think I might try. <laughs> so a, a lot of places do that. And it's nice because, you know, like I, I go fishing, I go crabbing and I pay like 40 bucks a year for saltwater and freshwater. And you yeah. take the time to fill it out and my doctor sign off on it. But yeah, really we're looking into the benefits that you get if you are permanently disabled, super important because yeah. what we have to deal with, having those occasional perks at least balances it out a little bit. Yeah, or at least makes your life doable. I mean, yep. you, you can never like explain to someone who isn't disabled the benefit of having like a good working pair of ramps or, or you know, something just so simple that you can really get help with um, from all sorts of different sources that it's just life changing. So if you're struggling with something, definitely reach out. And another thing, just so everyone's aware for, for the people that have invisible disabilities and if you're taking advantage of like a handicap parking pass or you're using any of those you know call them perks but <clears throat> gained accessibility <laughs> privileges is what we're going to call them gained accessibility privileges because we're disabled it's not perks because the downside to having a disability definitely outweighs yeah. the the perk of the gained accessibility yeah <clears throat> yeah um but big thing, like I know I've I've been asked numerous times at like Walmart and stuff, random people stop and be like, oh, you don't look disabled. Yeah. Oh, I want proof. I've that at Walmart. I've been kicked off of a scooter at Walmart because a guy told me I wasn't disabled. See what people <laughs> <Walmart employee. laughs> in the unit. Well, they don't have the they don't have the authority to do that. That's the fun part. Um so what people need to know is the only people that can verify that you are disabled and just that you are, that's it, are police officers. Yeah. If you run into those instances where you're parking in handicapped spots and somebody questions it, all you have to do say, call the police. The police sure. can come out and they can verify it. They can ask you for your ID and they can ask you for your little handicap placard card. Which yeah. you usually get when you get a handicap placard. If yep. it's on your vehicle and it's a plate, they would just ask for your registration and then you know you have to ID yourself. Yeah. That is all they are allowed to do. They are not allowed mm -hmm. to ask anything else. They are not allowed to ask why. They are not allowed to ask how long it's been. Nothing else. They are allowed to ID that you are the correct person using it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, that's, that, it, that's not entirely true. It, there is a bit of a gray area um, because of something called credible assurance, which um, you do need to provide. Um, like I would need to provide credible assurance to um any sort of like private company or something that i ride a segue into mm -hmm. in the form there's three forms it, one of them is this the disabled placard the second would be a doctor's note explaining that you are disabled in some way or you need a device because you're disabled and the third can just be you just saying i'm disabled mm -hmm. um and the only uh scenario where any of those three things are even required is if uh, it is not already somehow readily apparent that you are disabled. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I can understand if I ride a Segway into someplace, they might not think I'm disabled. That's fair enough. But if I just say I'm disabled, that is more than enough, according to the law. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. Other than that, you're not required to ever disclose anything. Well, and 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 I guess the the police officer aspect of verifying your ID and and stuff is specifically for the parking. 
So yeah. if you are parked in a handicap, that is that is the most that you have to give. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You're absolutely right. That's the only thing you're required by law to give to a police officer is your identification. If you're using the little placard, the placard card, and if you're driving your car, your registration. That's yeah. it. They just have to verify that you know it's the right plates on the car and that you're the person that's registered to it, or yeah. that if you're using the card, the little handicap card that hangs up in your mirror, that you have the little card and you're the person attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, in, in other cases, yeah, when you're going into businesses and um, even public places, yeah, saying that you're disabled or that it's a you know mobility device is covered is enough. If they push yeah. it, police officers are the only people that can really justify getting any more information. Yeah. yeah. It's, now, the most important thing to know here also is they there's no right to refuse anyone any of their own stuff unless you go through an individualized assessment and prove that there is a sustained safety risk for some very concrete reason and and you can demonstrate that mm -hmm. for some reason there seems to be some like general consensus among people in authority or something that you know it's up to them to decide or or uh rule on your disability or something but it's absolutely not and it, understanding that they are not the person uh, that is even equipped to handle that situation. That's the first step to being an empowered disabled person and knowing your rights. Yep. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to private businesses or even, even places like the aquarium, they can always call the police and just have you, um, what is it, trespass for no reason. They don't really have to give yeah. a reason behind that, which is Yeah, but that would be dumb workaround. So festival um anyway i feel like they'd be biting off more than they could chew um th th yeah they absolutely could do that i could have said it doesn't matter i know my rights i'm going into the aquarium and i could still be forcefully removed yeah um and they would be well within their rights to do that as um but i wouldn't be struggling and ultimately they would be found in the wrong um for for the whole thing but and um yeah you gotta be like careful most cops wouldn't push that issue but yeah <laughs> Yeah, one out of ten cop yeah you never know yeah so yeah it's it's a struggle and it, and it's it's finding the right balance and i mean for example like with what you do explaining it and taking the time to kind of educate and try to work with them and be like hey you know this is why this is what i have that's way more than you have to do yeah way more than you're required to do and way more than they're allowed to ask for yeah. but you know it's it's finding that balance and sometimes <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes people work with you, and sometimes they're like, "Okay, you know what? That that makes sense. I understand." And then, unfortunately, there's a lot of those times where it's like, "Nope," they push yeah. the issue. But yeah, I, I, unfortunately, you got to push um, for. I, it, I don't know. For some reason, it really confuses me because I guess it's just a different set, uh, segment of the law. Uh, the ADA is where, like, I couldn't in that situation call a, a police officer to come help me and explain to them that I'm disabled. I don't think that they can force the aquarium to allow me in either. Um, but I really, I wish that that was enforceable, even though it is the law, you I know mean, what I mean? You could try it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could always- No, so, so here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's actually a really good way of looking at it. Um, what I would do in those situations, I would absolutely call the police. 100%. And the reason why, the reason why I would call the police is because if the police show up and they refuse to let you in, 
I would tell them that you want to be trespassed. Yeah. Because when you're trespassed or when, when you're interacting with the police, a lot of the times, a lot of local police officers, they'll, they'll write an incident report about it. Mm-hmm. That incident report is from a police officer's perspective. Mm-hmm. That is something that you can get a copy of, and that is something that you can attach to a complaint or if it gets out of hand enough to a lawsuit. Yeah. So it's, it's inconvenient. It takes extra time. However, if it's something where you want to push the issue, if you want to you know, report the business or the organization to the federal government, to the ADA, having that kind of extra level of, hey, here's the incident report from when the police officer responded, here's how yeah. it went down. You know, I was being peaceful. People weren't letting me in. The officer recorded that. That's not a bad tool to have. Yeah. Is the yeah. officer necessarily going to get any you any further in? Probably not. Yeah. But having that kind of extra thing in the case, you know, like like now you are filing something against and it's going somewhere, that'll give it just that extra level of momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Especially on one of those things where, you know, like you said, your family's walking around. You got plenty of time to call a police officer and have them come yeah. out and fill out a report because you know what? Yeah. I got to sit and wait for them. So, you know what, we're, we're going to push this issue. Yeah, I know. I think back on that day a lot and I wish I would have done some things differently. Uh, and I wish I would have known the law as well as I do now. Um, I, I did know that segues were uh, at least partially, if not fully protected under the ADA. And I stated as much, but I never knew uh, all the uh, minutia and what I was actually owed in my rights and how all of that worked. Um, and I really wish I would have, explained that more coherently uh, and knew it um in the first place and i really wish i wouldn't have left um you know push it I, more I I would have stayed. well that's and and that's that's part of why this platform super important and and talking about other people super important because you have a very specific disease but that affects yeah. anybody that has mobility issues yeah, yeah hundreds exactly. of thousands of people that have mobility issues that Maybe they're on crutches, but it'd be so much better if they were on a Segway or yeah. an electric scooter or, I don't know, maybe those maybe those skateboard things that you tilt, you know, the little round wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe those work for some people. Yeah, honestly, it probably does work great for somebody with yeah. a certain type of disability and great for them. That's awesome. So, you know, the, the, having that kind of education and spreading that awareness around it is super important. Cool. Um, it's unfortunately we have to. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we have to we have to push the uh, push the issues because you know the the general populace isn't educated on it. Yeah. But you know it's it's important to get that information out to people that do need it. Yeah, I think a good challenge for all of your listeners uh, would be if if any of uh, the listeners here, I'm I guess I'm talking to you guys. Um, if you're in a Facebook group that is specific to your disease or your illness, take the ladder up. So like I, for example, like I'm in the limb girdle muscular dystrophy type 2J Facebook group. Well, go one step up, all the limb girdle people, and then go one step up, all the muscular dystrophy people, and then go one step up, all the disabled people. Disability awareness is a great group on Facebook. Keep going up and keep spreading it out because as soon as you find a good solution in your little group that you love so much, spread it out. And if it can apply, to anyone else who might be in the same situation, regardless of their disability, because it's super helpful. I found uh, amazing tips and tricks and different uh, solutions to problems that I have and things to consider 
just from people with incredibly different backgrounds and disabilities. And it's really helpful. It, it's so much better if you do it that way. It goes back to that 70 to 80%. Yeah. 70 per eight to 80% of what, what we deal with can, it can help so many other people. Yeah. It's a shared just, experience. We're yeah. all human still. Like <clears throat> there's, there's so many things that, you know, we both run into and we have completely different, I mean, well, mine's a disease, dis, uh, technically a disability, chronic illness and disability, multi, multifaceted, I guess. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's becoming more apparent as I'm talking to more people too, because I talked to a lady like two months ago, I think, mm -hmm. roughly, um, and she was just talking about addiction and mental health. Um, but even the even the like the similarities between addiction and chronic illness, I was like, whoa, okay. You go through a lot of the different stages, even the even the twelve step plan. Like I was talking about stuff that I kind of dealt with. She's like, that sounds like exactly like the twelve step plan. I was like. <laughs> okay. she's like yeah that was a step that was a step that was a step I'm like, yeah. oh, okay she's like that probably worked for a bunch of people that have chronic illnesses yeah everybody's on one of the steps yeah everyone's like well because it's you know you're going through all the different stages it's just okay instead of addiction it's because you have a chronic illness because you're newly diagnosed with something um yeah, yeah it's like the you know the acceptance or denial then depression and before you get to acceptance and all the way at the end i guess the last step is helping other people which for where i'm yeah. at now i was like yep yeah, 10 years I, to get I, here but yeah. i'm trying to i'm trying to get there and stay there too I'm, hey, i've gone through uh, quite the like evolution of like uninformed disabled person to a very informed uh, like advocate for disabled people in less than a year and it's really amazing to well, like be a part of something like that i mean un unfortunately it, it comes back to that pain putting things into perspective and that perspective giving a purpose like when something sucks and we deal with that that experience that really sucks that just makes us super uncomfortable or that we shouldn't have to go through that's kind of where it comes you know you get to that point where you get pissed off and you're just tired of it and you're like you know what this needs to change like yeah. this needs to change and if nobody else is going to do it well i'm gonna i'm gonna be the solution that i wish i had yeah, um, which is kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm going to be the the resource that I wish I had when I was first diagnosed because it sucked. Yeah. And I wouldn't wish it upon anybody else. And going through it, I understand like people are going to go through that. People are going to deal with that experience. There's other people that have your diagnosis that are going to go through that. But if you can give them all the information and just load them up with like, hey, here's all the resources that you need. So it sucks so much less. Yeah. Like you'll be ready for everything. Here's your, here's your like Bible essentially of what you need to know living with this disease or living with in this community. Yeah. Like, here you go. Here's the book. Cause you know, yeah. the, the doctors and the specialists that you go to, they don't even know half the time because they don't have the experience. Or if you have a rare condition, they don't they've just never been yeah. exposed to it. So you can't blame them necessarily. Now, yeah. if they're a bad doctor, then yeah, I mean, bad doctors, <laughs> bad doctors. If you're yeah. in a small area hopefully you have somebody else you can go to. If not, Take a day trip, take a weekend trip to go to a specialist if you, if you can. But yeah, don't go to a bad doctor. Yeah, I've had a couple in the past, and some of the information that they should have given me that was like commonly known for Crohn's and colitis, like <laughs> ah, that's not related. You're fine. I had, a, I had a GP recommend that I walk a couple miles every day <laughs> <laughs> with with a muscular dystrophy diagnosis on my chart. Uh, yep.
Yep. And those are the ones you stay away from. You're like, all right, well, I'm just going to go now. Like, let me just yeah. get a little out of I, here. I guess I could help myself a little bit more now. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, that's what it is. Ah, oh, thanks, Doc. I'm happy you fixed that. I just got to walk more? Like, that's yeah. it? All I I've had been, to do was walk. I've been talking to doctors for 16 years and I just need to walk more? Like, what? Yeah. what's this? Walk off, walk off the dystrophy. It's just walk it off. You'll be fine. Oh god, yeah, no, it's it's those kind of comments. It's the suggestions from your doctor, like, wait, you didn't go to school for this, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm a patient, and I feel like I know more about what we're talking about than than what you're saying to me because this is this is concerning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's bad, but unfortunately, those bad experiences we learn from it, and if they're bad enough, we try to help other people avoid them. Yeah. So. So yeah, well. Like that's good point. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, <laughs> kind of been all over the place. But well, that's how I is. So, yeah. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by. If anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience, there's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.